pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm joined again by my co-host and partner in crime, Lisette Trujillo. Hey everyone, Lisette here, she, her, Ea. Each week we bring you our take on the things happening in the world from the perspective of two BIPOC parents of transgender kids. It is episode 24, Lisette, and I think it's time for another one of our special episodes. If you had not suggested it, I definitely would have. We've had such an amazing few days. We just have to talk about it. Well, let's go. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Parent Advocate Podcast. Let's get started. Okay, Stephen, give me the rundown. What what have you been up to since I last saw you? So we haven't talked since before you last saw me. So you probably didn't learn about my smashed windshield on my Jeep. No, what happened? So like two months ago, I replaced the windshield on my Jeep because I was driving down the road. Some construction truck had some little pieces of cement, gravel, whatever, bounce off the truck, smashed the windshield of my car. The crack just got bigger and bigger. Called Geico, Safe Flight came over, replaced my windshield. I was happy as a clam. Last Friday, I'm driving. Nicole and I are going to dinner, just driving on a regular street in Princeton. And some kind of, I don't even know what, hits my windshield right in the middle, spider crack. Right again? Again. Two windshields in two months. He said I was beside myself. It was a brand new windshield. I had just fixed the damn thing. It's like a $500 deductible. It took them so many days to come out. I'm not made of money. Like, I was all happy going to dinner at the end of the week. Friday, yay! And then... What kind of cheap-ass windshield did they give you? You need to make sure that they give you a better one next time. Or what size rocks are hitting your windshield? Listen, this thing... And so, so we're clear. I don't know what these things are. They're like seeds from trees. Like, I don't know what kind of things. They look like green apples. And they're like the shape of apples. They're that big. They're like a big apple-y looking thing, but the skin is hard like an orange or something. And the inside has some kind of pulp and a big ass seed. And it looks, it's like the size of a baseball. And it must have fallen out of a tree and just so happened to hit my car at the time. Two lane street, 35 miles an hour. It's nothing crazy. This thing, they said I was so mad. It, it was like sudden. It was like, and then there's this crack. And we were both like, holy fuck, what just happened? We're going to have to do like a windshield limpia for your car. Like we're going to, you know, like when they like do a limpia on things, we're going to do that for your vehicle. So that the next bulletproof glass, bulletproof glass, period. That's it. I need the kind of shit that POTUS drives around with. Okay. I need some shit that is impervious to any type of collision. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, fragile ass windshield. Anywho, I was also invited to join the board of Anchor Health Connecticut by Patricia Chadwick, who's on the board of directors. Now, I'm not sure if I told you about Anchor Health. It is a health system in Connecticut that specifically serves the LGBTQ plus community, specifically serves transgender and non-binary people. The great thing about Anchor Health is not only does it serve the community, but it's staffed by the community. When you walk into the doors, you're going to be greeted by a trans man or woman. You're going to be dealing with a trans receptionist or a non-binary nurse or a trans doctor, but they have made it a point to include the people that they serve on the staff and on the board of directors of that company. And now they've added a little bit of diversity. I was invited by Ngozi to join the board because she was like, this board has no color and the board agrees. And so 
I have been invited to join and I'm super excited because they're doing they're doing the good work. They're doing the really good work in Connecticut. That's so exciting. Are you excited to be on the board? Like, do you feel like, all right, I'm going to give time to the, you know? I am. And I think I have a particular set of skills. If that organization needs help letting people know what's going on, raising money, getting organized, I can do all those things. I think that's an area that I can be very helpful because what organization doesn't need to raise money. And I think it's something that I can do regardless of whatever else I'm doing. I certainly can give time to that because it's something I believe in. Look at you just adding to that resume of things. Right. And okay, last but not least, and then we can get to you. I just came back from the New Fest LGBTQ plus film festival for a screening of the dads. And this one was a little bit special because... This is the first in a series of screenings where the screening is being produced by Netflix. Lucina was just like, can you come to the film festival? Peter's going to be there. I was like, of course I could be there. Caught the train back from D.C., got home, unpacked, took a shower, got dressed, caught the train into New York. Train was super delayed. By the time I got into the city, I was like 15 minutes late for when I was supposed to be there. And I'm on my phone trying to figure out where to go, standing on the corner of like 13th and 6th and... I hear Stephen. I look up, look around. There's a white lady and a black lady. I don't recognize either of them. And they were like, um, aren't you in the dads? <laughs> they like, were I, like angels sent to you to show you where to go. <laughs> they were like, I'm so-and-so from Netflix. And I recognize you from the dads. I was just like, you need to- Who stop. is famous? Who is famous? Who gets recognized? Jose's so jealous. When I tell you I was like on cloud nine and I'm like, okay, it's Netflix. They've seen it. But like literally some rando walks up to me and be like, uh, Steven? And I, and I was like going through my mind, like, who is this? Go through the banks, memory banks, try to figure out, try to place the name with the face, the voice, nothing. These, I didn't know there was nothing. There was nothing, did not compute. And I guess they saw the did not compute in my face because she was just like, I'm from Netflix. And, you know, I know who you are. So I was like, oh, thank you. Bless you because they also took me directly into the screening, third floor, some random building that I would not have found on my own. It was great. It was great. It was great. It was great. I brought your co-star so that he can know. Steven was recognized on the corner of the street in New York by some Netflix execs that are like, aren't you Steven? I just wanted you to, I just wanted him to hear you got, because like, for real, he's been like, he's at like 90 plus thousand. He really is an influencer on Instagram. Every time we go somewhere, he's like, ah, it'd be so cool if somebody recognized me and nobody ever recognizes him. <laughs> He's like, I work so hard on my social media. <laughs> well, it's coming. The Netflix is going to do all this promotion stuff around it. So it's a thing. Enough about me. What's going on with you, Lisette? There's so much happening. So this week is a really crazy advocacy week. On Wednesday, we have to drive to Phoenix. Daniel and I are doing like a keynote panel for Let's Get Better Together, which is like a statewide healthcare conference that they do every year where they bring in like people in different medical fields, social workers, doctors, dentists, like anybody who wants to learn how to provide care for LGBTQIA people. Um, not like technical care, but like how to provide like empathy, quality care, like that you're like serving a whole human being and not coming in with discrimination and bias. 
you go to this conference. So I've presented there in the past, but this is the first time I'm presenting with Daniel. And so I'm really excited about it. And then Mi Gente, which is a national organization that does like policy work, voting, they are having their big national conference here in Tucson. And so it's this weekend. So I'm super excited about being at their conference and like meeting other like Latina national organizers and leaders, just like connecting with community and kind of seeing what it like what people are saying um, and what they're seeing like in their parts of the world or in their parts of the country. So I'm super excited about that. Another thing I'm kind of excited about is my sister is pregnant with her second child. She just posted like these cute photos of her and her little fam and the baby's due in December. So that's like super exciting because, you know, babies are the best. And I don't have to like stay up all night. I just, I'm like, oh, lovely, beautiful. Here you go. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that fun stuff. I can change diapers when I want to, when I want yes. to be helpful, but I don't Absolutely. have to. Absolutely. You do not have to. Lisa, that's a lot. And I I would love to deep dive with you, but we have like a super special show. So let's stop messing around with our lives and get to all these topics. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. So this weekend was the Human Rights Campaign's Equality Weekend and National Dinner. The weekend kicked off with the Equality Convention panel and discussions on intersectionality with folks like HRC President Kelly Robinson, Angela Ferrell Zabala, who is the Executive Director of Moms Demand, which is an anti-gun control organization, Maya Wiley, who is the President and CEO of Civil Rights Org, what they do is in its name, and Minnie Tamaraju, who is the President and CEO of Repro Freedom for All, again, an organization devoted to ensuring reproductive rights for all. And it's it was just such a powerful session to see these four women of color on stage running these major national organizations with millions of members across the country in all 50 states doing the work. It was really powerful and inspiring. And I'm so happy that we were invited to take part in the Equality Weekend. I think what I really loved about their talk was you know, often we sit in spaces and rooms where people talk about the theory of intersectionality, right? Like understanding the people that are most impacted. But what I found most powerful is like when you practice intersectionality, you're practicing cross-solidarity work. And that was what they were doing in that moment, like this deep cross-solidarity in movement, connecting the dots. It was so powerful. Um, and then I think we were so lucky because Saturday was the national dinner where the trans prom youth organizers and their parents, <clears throat> us, were backstage with the likes of Lena Waithe, Shonda Rhimes, Matt Bomer, Felicia Rashad, Debbie what? Allen, Golda Rashuvel, who is Queen Charlotte. And I hope I said her last name right. Say it for me if I didn't. You did. Okay, good. And it was exciting. I mean, I had my Lena Waithe moment. Okay, so folks who were not there you must understand what we were dealing with on Saturday. The president was in the building. They gave the keynote. And so as kind of an added bonus for the awards recipients, there was an opportunity to get your photograph taken with 
the first lady and the president of the United States. And it was a whole big operation. It was very hush-hush. We weren't told about it to the last minute. Our schedules all changed around the dinner and rehearsals and what have you. And so we're all queued up in the back in line to meet with the president. And so we're just regular people doing regular things, following orders. And suddenly all of these celebrities start queuing up with us. And first it's Lena Waithe, then it's Felicia Rashad, then it's Debbie Allen, then it's Matt Bomer, then it's Shonda Rhimes, then it's Golda Rochevelle. It's all of these amazing people. And Lisette can't even help herself. She's like, <laughs> got stars in her eyes. And they've taken our phones. They're like, put your phones over here because you can't take your phones in with you to get the photograph with the president. And so they pre-queued taking our phones from us. And so we're both like, how do we? Mine was in my pocket. You <laughs> were like, you not taking my phone from me. I'm going to get these moments backstage. I had my handy dandy Ray-Ban stories glasses on that I was turning on and getting video of everything that was happening. And so we were not supposed to be shooting, but we did anyway. So we have a lot of backstage footage, but no, for real, Lisette was hysterical because she was just like, oh my God, should I just talk to him? I was like, Chad, you better just go over there and talk to him. And Daniel like became like BFFs with all of them because he's like, had no clue that they were these famous ass people. And Daniel's like, well, I'm going to just chop it up, talk to people. But I lost my mind. I mean, look it. I'm a big Lena Way fan. You and I were talking about this. And the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None for me is just like one of the best. It's like this quiet, loud, thoughtful coming out story. And so I was like, if I ever meet her, I'm going to tell her about this. And she loved it. She's like, can I hug you? I was like, oh, yes. I lost my mind. It was amazing. And then, and then you were trying to get video and I was trying to look like I was posing, but also not be in the way. Again, I will download and share this video <laughs> so that everybody could understand what it is that we're talking about because we were really trying to be like super secret spy and get all this footage backstage. But it was an amazing moment. But more important than the fact that we were all collected backstage with all these amazing people was the reason we were here to meet POTUS and Flotus. I don't know about you, because we were slightly ahead of you in line, and I had a, a particular moment with the president. I don't know about you, but I, I had a particular moment with the president, which I'm going to share, and then you can tell me what your experience was like. I was very giddy when they were, like, announcing Hobbs Chikumba and his father, Stephen Chikumba. <laughs> and there's the president and first lady just standing there waiting for you. Hobbs walks over to Dr. Jill. I walk over to Joe. And I don't know about you, but I was raised and taught that you give a firm handshake when you meet somebody. You don't got to break their hand, but you got to give a firm handshake. You can't just give a flaccid handshake. You can't give a sweaty handshake. You can't give a limp handshake. You got to just meet their palm and grip it. So I go in, Joe gets my signature handshake, and he gives me back a equally firm handshake. He looks up, he says, what a handshake you got there. To which I responded, it's not every day that you get to shake the hand of a president. Did you think you weren't going to get a firm handshake from me? And we just start giggling. Turn around, Jill Biden, lovely. She's like, thank you for all your work. Thank you for all you're doing. I'm like, no, thank you for all you're doing. Turn around, take the picture. And then as I go, I'm like, okay, he's going to remember me. Give him another one of my handshakes. I said, thank you for all that you do. To which he replied, you're doing all the work. Come you're on. like, yeah, I am. 
Thank you for noticing. Humility, humility. I just kept it moving. I gave him a smile, little pat, walked off because I knew that we only had a certain amount of time. Ellen, oh, you did the bro tap, like the yes, yes. Give him a little, okay. give him a little on the way the firm out. Firm so. handshake with the tap, like yeah, I know. So I was feeling really good. I'm feeling really good about my interaction and my experience with POTUS. I was asking Hobbs about it. He was like, "Yeah, it was cool." I mean, Daniel and I really wanted to be like, "Can you work on climate and immigration? Can we not kick it farther down?" But I didn't. Biden, um, Biden told me that I look like Daniel's sister. He's like, this can't be your mother. This must be your sister. I was like, oh, Joe, bring the jokes. I just said, I I said, no, I'm his mama. But thank you, you know? And then, you know, Dr. Dr. Biden was like, okay, over here, over here. <laughs> he got you with that little flirting. You know what I'm saying? You like, oh, oh, got Grandpa a Joe, you know, these Grandpa Joe bringing the things. He liked this brown, chunky lady for a moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was great. That was great. As if the kids meeting the president and first lady wasn't enough, then we listened to the keynote by Joe Biden, where he unequivocally made his stance on our kids' know. And together, we're standing up for children. As you know better than anyone, there are young people all across America sitting in their bedrooms tonight, scrolling through social media and staring at the ceiling, wondering, will they ever be loved? What happens if they tell their parents? What's going to go on? Many of you have been through it. Will they be ever accepted by their families? Ever be free to be themselves? Or they should even be there or here on Earth? Nearly every day, I get letters literally from children and parents terrified by what's happening all across America. A 13-year-old transgender child wrote to me, said, I hate looking at the news. Not because I'm a teenager and it's boring, but because it's painful. I hear adults much older than me debate about my existence when they don't even know me. Our message to young people across America must be unequivocal. You're loved, you're heard, and you're understood, and you belong. I just loved the way he was so animated and so passionate and so unequivocal. Like, literally, he was like, you have every right to exist. You have every right to be here. You deserve every single solitary right that everyone else has, and we're with you. This administration has done so much for the LGBTQ plus community at a time when so many people are stacking the deck against them. You know, you know in this time who your accomplices are. Fuck your allies. In this moment, you know who's going to step up and defend you actively, not make excuses, not go hide, no excuses for hatred, discrimination, inequity. There's no excuse for it. Joe Biden made it clear, like, I'm not playing. I am unequivocally on the side of right, on the side of the LGBTQ plus community. And that just, that said everything to me. His presence there, his speech, his passion, just his, just how genuine he is about this when he talks about it, it, it meant a lot. It was a necessary stopgap, his winning the presidency, because there was just so much harm and trauma from the years before. And it's not to say that like the last few years of anti-trans legislation haven't been traumatic, but not having to deal with the federal government on top of our state government, uh, trying to impose horrendous policy has like honestly 
kept me sane. I don't think I could have. So I was really grateful for the words he shared. I was really grateful just for them showing up and using their platform to speak out against anti-LGBTQ policy and rhetoric. It, it was really special. Yeah. What was also special, Lisette, was watching our kids walk across the stage to receive the Trailblazers Award from HRC for their work on trans prom from Delaware State Representative and future trans member of the Senate, Sarah McBride. It is my honor to present the Trailblazer Award to a group of young and inspiring trans activists. Throughout our movement, we've seen that one of the most powerful antidotes to the politics of hate is the profound but simple expression of queer and trans joy. It is, it is a reflection of our humanity. It's a visual demonstration that LGBTQ people can live full and fulfilled lives if society would simply let us. And when that joy, when that joy is present in our schools, in our homes, in our workplaces, and yes, in our government, that joy has the capacity to open hearts, and change the world. While trans representation has increased dramatically across society, including in politics, we still have not elected an out trans person to the US Congress yet. But for the young people that I am about to introduce, they took matters into their own hands, bringing trans joy to the US Capitol not with a politician, but with a prom. You see, when trans joy is coupled with an affirming family and a community that has their backs, you get Hobbs, you get Grayson, you get Libby, and you get Daniel, the badass organizers of trans prom. Yes, watching Daniel, Libby, Hobbs, and Grayson accept the award and give their speech, it meant so much and it was so meaningful. And I think a lot about, I shared a post about this, about everything that Daniel has experienced and like lived through in his short 16 years. And it was well-deserved, you know what I mean? I look at Daniel and his sense of humor and how joyous he is when he's around people. And had I experienced some of the horrible things he's experienced in his youth, I think I wouldn't have come out as on the other side in the same way my kid has. I mean, he's just so amazing. And I, I know you feel that way about Hobbs. And Absolutely. so it was just amazing to watch. The, the part that really warmed my heart was just the raucous applause that they received when they got up there. Like literally, even right now, it just it's giving me chills because you're right. They have endured so much in their short lives. They've endured so much in their short lives that is breaking a lot of gender nonconforming youth in this country, is driving so many in states that do not have some of the protections that we have, do not have parents like us raising them, and are also dealing with this onslaught of anti-trans legislation, the removal of gender-affirming care, the flight of doctors that provide that care out of their states. There's so much going in the opposite direction for so many. So 
to to see our kids smiling and happy and joyous and joyful and acknowledged for this little bit of history that they were able to create, it, it was really impactful. Yeah, I had to put it in words because like, you know, the first time Daniel ever lobbied and or advocated for trans youth, he was nine, you know? I, I was thinking like when I was watching him move through the room, like when Shonda Rhimes turned around and just started talking to Daniel, I thought about like fifth grade Daniel, who was like deeply harassed by a classmate for like a year. So like, I remember he came home and was like, mom, what does it mean to be raped? Because this kid told me I'd be the first one to get raped in middle school. Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And like having to like deal with the school and like, or thinking about like all the years he's given to go and testify or suing our state for his birth certificate. Like these are not normal things. And so like, it's just, it's wild to me. They're not normal. And I think we compartmentalize the trauma. And I think my, that's why my kid has such a great sense of humor. I think it really does come from trauma, but like seeing him thrive and just like be there fully. Like even trans prom was such a, like a testament to that frustration and like a, a, a like an F you to everyone else to be like, I'm here, Absolutely. I'm not going anywhere. Like these are things I just see him and I'm like, God, like, how did I make you? Like, how are you so cool and incredible? And yeah, I've just kind of been in awe of him the last couple of days. I'm definitely in awe of these damn kids because they have managed to navigate this world with such poise mm -hmm. and, and continue to have empathy yeah. and compassion for others. It's yeah. not even about themselves. Like literally when I talked to Hobbs, when we got back, I was just like, dude, what's, what's good? Like, <laughs> I'm like, you just met the president and first lady of the United States of America. You're freaking 17 years old and you acting like you just came back from school. It's like nothing but a chicken wing. And he's just like, it was cool. It was cool. That's all I got. No, they've literally contributed to like the civil rights movement. Talk to Hobbs, okay? You talk to Hobbs for me. They are contributors of change. Arbiters of change, as they would say. Like literally like like Dr. David Johns like made a post about Daniel and the kids from trans prom. And he was like, the legacy of Bayard Rustin lives in your voices. And I was like, what? Exactly. what? Yes. It's incredible. Yes. And it's true. Like we, and that's what I'm saying. Like we compartmentalize like all of these things, like, and, and it's just like incredible. Daniel will say that the hit for him, it was the VIP room, sodas, <laughs> sandwiches, grapes. And like incredible people that he didn't know were famous. And then afterwards he was telling me who he spoke to. And I was like, they're famous. Like, or they run a national org. And Daniel's like, well, they're now my best friend. And I was like, okay. And supplanted <laughs> Daniel's best friend by some random famous person. Damn it. Yeah. Like Daniel was like, oh yeah, Shonda just turned around and started talking to me. Queen Charlotte and I are besties. I was like, wow. that was so funny. That was so funny. I was talking to Queen Charlotte and she was just like, you've raised an amazing young man. You should be proud in that English accent. I was like, you need to stop it right now. I have to <laughs> oh, okay. He's Or do you not understand how difficult it's going to be for this man with this child? Oh, Daniel and Grayson were living their best lives. Like they were like living, because you know, they both want to be, like Daniel's a Leo, Grayson's like a performer. They were just chopping it up in the VIP room. And I love that today when we were in our group text, Grayson was like, it was the sandwiches for me. 
the VIP. It was like, yeah, Daniel said the sandwiches were pretty bomb. These kids weren't eating chicken. We were, though. I don't know. I was hitting the free wine on the table. What made the night for me was the speech that Daniel, Libby, Hobbs, and Grayson gave. It was just so special listening to them speak, hearing people cheer for them, listening to Daniel giggle when he got a second applause. It was so cute. Thank you, Sarah. We stand on the shoulders of you and so many other trans chain makers. I'm Hobbs. Hi, I'm Grayson. Hi, I'm Libby. And I'm Daniel. The four of us are, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the four of us are so proud and incredibly moved. Thank you, HRC, for this recognition. As all of you know, the past few years have been very hard for on young trans folk. Folks who don't know anything about us are taking our rights away at our schools, at our doctors, and on our sports teams. The hate and lies that we see on social media about our lives seem relentless. And while everything has been, well, pretty shitty, sorry mom, we also have each other. And that has given us a sense of strength and community that everybody deserves. A lot of us became friends through HRC. Many of our parents are on the HRC's Parents of Trans Equality Council. And one night, while we were commiserating over the state of the world, we got to talking about what we could do. We wanted to send a strong message that we are here, we are fabulous, and we are not going anywhere. And that's exactly what we did through the form of Transprom right on the National Mall. Listen, the four of us here are lucky enough to have families who support us. Mom, Dad, thank you and to have friends in each other. When friends find each other, powerful things can happen. Isn't that the power of the queer community? We had a whole village of folks who helped us out with this thing. <laughs> Speaking of, Chase Gerangio, our trans fairy godfather, is here with us tonight. We love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping make trans prom a reality. And we know that Kelly Robinson and all the folks at HRC will not stop fighting until all of us are free. And we are so lucky to be a part of this HRC family. For all the trans folks out there watching and worrying about what's ahead, never let them take your pride. Never let them steal your joy because despair isn't gonna get us free. But defiance, specifically joyful defiance, now that is our path to a better tomorrow. We are proud to be here tonight with you all, being defiantly joyful together. Thank you again for your support and your commitment to our fight for freedom. Thank you. What was really interesting about the speech, because you know, you and I both know the behind the scenes stuff that went into the speech and who was gonna say what, was the voices of Daniel and Libby, who were really the two who ideated Transprom at its inception. They were the ones who had that frustration, living in Texas, living in Arizona, going to the state house during legislation, testifying back and forth with your state representatives, your council people, the members of your respective houses, and having to engage in adult activities as youth 
to force people to listen to their testimony, to listen to their perspective, to share their stories, and to have them on stage talk about what inspired them, talk about the moment in time that gave rise to it. These are teenagers. It was so powerful. And Daniel giggling on stage like a little kid and being received by everyone in the room with such love and appreciation. It was so moving to me. It was great. And I'm, I've been reminding myself that we have to live with defiant joy all the time, to quote my kid. Yeah, defiant joy. That's what this whole event was. It was defiant joy. It was seeing people like Nico on the turntables, seeing our kids and giving them hugs and seeing their mom give our kids hugs and being in community with so many people who've really shepherded them through this life, protecting them all the way and affirming them all the way. I love that Matt Bomer called out our kids by name, right? Saying that he wished his younger self could have been, you know, in the same spirit, could have could have existed in the way that Libby, Hobbs, Daniel, and Grayson are existing so openly and freely today. I also draw inspiration from the next generation of activists like Grayson, Libby, Hobbs, and Daniel, and their utter fearlessness to be seen and express their truest selves. Their joy is infectious and deserved, and their courage is truly remarkable. Beyond the kids' speech, I was really moved by Shonda Rhimes' speech on allyship and how she's going to do more, like active allyship. The difference between like giving money, writing a show, like a character, but like active allyship, like what does that look like in the big and little ways? That was really powerful. And I hope people watch like, you know, cause HRC's put all the speeches on YouTube. I really hope that people take the time to watch and listen to her speech because I think it was so powerful in what it was saying. And it's, it's where we need people to be in this moment as we move into another election cycle that is kind of scary as we're watching it slowly come towards us, right? This idea of active allyship. And then you hear our kids say, live defiantly in defiant joy, like be who you are. Don't let anyone tell you anything differently. Like it's just so powerful to see both of those messages be told. I think my biggest takeaway from this whole journey really we've been on is that there is hope and they can't ever take that away from us. As much as they may try, trans people exist. Yeah. I think that's the thing too, is like, you know, I just listed all these horrible things that Daniel had experienced or like significant things. But I think in like the same vein of you saying hopeful, not allowing people to break you, right? It's like, I, I see our kids and they are like actively saying, no, nope, you can't, people can't hurt me. And I, that's the beauty of them being supported and lo loved and affirmed in their homes. And so, yeah, I sat in that on the plane ride home. I was just so happy for them. Yeah, I was talking to Chase Strangio at dinner. And for those who do not know, Chase is one of the senior attorneys with the ACLU who has been actively fighting back against all of these ridiculous laws in the states trying to deprive trans people of their rights. And we were talking about just how at the beginning of many of these laws being passed, courts were enjoining them. 
courts were actively saying, no, you're violating people's equal protection, you're violating people's due process, you're violating people's you know, rights under the Constitution. And now the trend is in the opposite direction. And, and what that movement in the opposite direction means from the perspective of someone who's fighting on the inside. And he said something that I, I'm still sitting with. It really doesn't matter what they say. Our kids, trans people, gender nonconforming, non-binary people are going to be taken care of because the community is going to take care of them. And that's been the ethos since the beginning of time. It doesn't matter what colonialism tries to do to people's cultures and to people's way of being and people's way of seeing themselves. It doesn't matter what the Ron DeSantis's of the world do to school curriculums and people's ability to play on sports and go to bathrooms. It doesn't matter all of the efforts that they're trying to do, as harmful as they are. At the end of the day, trans people, gender non-conforming people, non-binary people, the LGBTQ plus community is going to be supported because they support one another, they support themselves, and you can't take that away from them. It's so funny that you say that because right before you and I started recording on the drive home, I was listening to Alok speak on the Pod Crush podcast. And he was sharing that um, his aunt had just died the year before. She was a gay rights activist. And he said that during her last few days that his mother looked at him and said, oh, heteronormativity harms us all. Because look at your aunt. She's surrounded by these women who she's had decades of deep friendship with. And look at how they care for her and love her and love her wholly in, in non-judgment. Right. And the way that they're telling her she looks beautiful when she's sick and frail and dying and they can deal with hard things like death and violence and they can hold two things right at once. And I just thought like that is so beautiful. I, too, want friendships like that. Like that is that is community, that it's mutual aid work, that is creating safety and so I, I love that Chase told you that. And it's it's a reminder of where we're headed and where we need to put all of our energy. Absolutely. It's the tethering of the boats that you always talk about and has been reflected back at me, just like magnified over the past few days. And I just I just love that sentiment. And I just love the fact that that sentiment is being echoed in these national organizations that are recognizing we are all fighting the same problem. You know, we're fighting white supremacy, we're fighting the patriarchy, and the only way they succeed is if we try to do it by ourselves and not together. But Lisette, I could literally talk about this all day, but we have to get to allies and assholes, so let's do let's, it. Yeah, let's get going. Now it's time for our recurring segment, Allies and Assholes, where we highlight individuals or groups that are supporting the LGBTQIA community on the one hand and call out straight up assholes who are trying to move us all backwards on the other. Lisa, who are we talking about today? Our ally of the week is Dennis and Judy Shepard. October 12th was the 25th anniversary of the death of Matthew Shepard, a young gay man who was brutally attacked and left to die on a fence in Laramie, Wyoming. Since his death, his parents have worked tirelessly creating the Matthew Shepard Foundation and sitting on the board of the Trevor Project, a crisis support service singularly focused on suicide prevention efforts among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth. I will literally never forget the first time I met Dennis and Judy at Time to Thrive in 2019. And the impression that they have had 
on me since that time, working with Dennis on the dads and spending just a chunk of time with him in the woods, learning about what happened to his son, learning about how he and Judy have coped through it, seeing how it's still something that they're dealing with. This being the 25th anniversary, knowing that they're reliving his death and passing over and over again, but still finding the energy to continue to advocate on behalf of the LGBTQ plus community, to advocate for suicide prevention and for services for gender queer and questioning youth and doing so tirelessly, running around the country. There's a documentary, they are being interviewed, they're on the news, they're flying all over to make sure that young LGBTQ plus people know that there are people who are out there who have their backs, who care about them and who are doing everything in their power to give them the chance that their son didn't have. And he was loved. So it's just, it's one of those things that I'm just, I really, really, really respect what they're doing. And I'm so grateful to be in their company. Yeah. Judy is like ride or die for our kids. And I am just always so grateful for her. And I learned so much from her. We're really excited um, because on Thursday, we are doing a panel with Judy and Dennis here at our local university um, because they are going to be showing the Laramie Project, which is a play about the murder of Matthew Shepard. And so I'm really excited to see Judy. I'm excited to be in conversation with her. And she's just so set steadfast. When she told William Barr, like, sorry, I want nothing to do with you and your administration until you protect trans kids. That's when I knew, like, and I told her that, like, I, I told her, you don't have to do that for us. And you do every time we stand up for our kids every time. So that is exactly why Dennis and Judy Shepard are ally of the week. Congratulations to Dennis and Judy Shepard. Your work is amazing. Now onto our asshole of the week. Our asshole of the week is anti-LGBTQ pundit, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh, on his alt-right podcast, The Matt Walsh Show, voiced his support for conversion therapy, suggesting that homosexuality is a choice and conversion therapy is an appropriate medical intervention for homosexuals. Walsh believes that conversion therapy is effective by arguing that being gay is not an innate, but a lifestyle that queer people choose. Despite the mountain of evidence that conversion therapy is not just ineffective, but can also be extremely psychologically damaging, Walsh argued that those who are ashamed of being gay should be given the choice to engage in conversion therapy as a practice. While the entire medical establishment says that gender-affirming care is effective, life-saving treatment, Matt Walsh is like, nah. But where the entire medical establishment says that conversion therapy is both dangerous, and I quote, extremely psychologically damaging. He's like, yeah, let's do that one. Matt Walsh is one of those people who has built his platform on hate. He is a hateful, ugly human being on the inside and the outside. And that is why Matt Walsh is our asshole of the week and probably forever. that's our show for today folks i want to thank Lisette for going with the audible and doing this very special edition of the parent advocate podcast without Lisette, this show would be nothing steven i love doing the parent advocate with you it's my most favorite time every week so thank you steven for allowing me to take this journey with you and also thank you to all of our listeners who without them we wouldn't be able to do this show so folks you know the drill 
please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and do all the things you need to stay up to date with everything going on here at the Parent Advocate Podcast. Bye. If you're thinking about harming yourself, get immediate support. Please reach out to the Trevor Project and connect to a crisis counselor 24 7, 365 days a year from anywhere in the United States. It's 100% confidential and 100% free. You can get help at thetrevorproject.org. If you'd like to support any of the organizations working actively to support LGBTQ people, please visit the ACLU at action.aclu.org or the Human Rights Campaign at hrc.org. You've been listening to the Parent Advocate Podcast. Tune in again for another episode.